Welcome to the Level Up Podcast, brought to you by Century 21, the Harrelson Group. Featuring masterminds with real estate leaders, coaches, and influencers, plus eye-opening strategy sessions with up-and-coming agents, you'll learn exactly how to go from agent to entrepreneur. And now, let's get to the latest episode of Level Up. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of the Level Up podcast. We've got Greg Harrelson with us. We've got an amazing guest, Terry Swanson, with us. He's going to talk all about the mindset required to go from bust to boom, not from boom to bust, but bust to boom, uh, because Terry has built an amazing organization, extremely well-respected within the Century 21 system. But also, I think as you get to know Terry, you're going to come uh, to respect what he's built very, very much in the process of what it took to get him there, which is what we're going to get into. So first of all, let me welcome in Greg. How are you today? Hey, I'm doing great. Looking forward to uh, to having this conversation with Terry. He's, Terry's just a great friend of mine, highly respected uh, business owner within the Century 21 uh, uh, ecosystem. So for all the listeners out there, I think we're in for a treat. Yeah, absolutely. Terry, welcome. Thank you very much. Delighted to be on with you guys, and I appreciate the opportunity just to talk and see what's going on. Cool. Well, Greg, just from your perspective, when you say that Terry, like the organization that Terry's built is extremely well respected, give me just a quick little insight into why, and then I'll have Terry kind of give, just lay out the numbers for us and what the structure of his team looks like. Yeah. You know, and, and sometimes when you use the term respected, I, I think in our industry, it goes beyond numbers. Like, you know, numbers will, can be impressive. Um, um, but the, the person and the organization and the culture or the type of business, I think is what he's most respected for. He's a, a top business owner within the organization. Um, but he, he really pays a lot of attention to delivering value to the real estate agents that, that join his company. And I think that's what a lot of the, myself, that's one of the things that I look at Terry, um, you know, to you know, when it comes to doing a good job, as well as other people that I know that own companies, they kind of look to Terry and a few others for, man, these guys are really delivering value. Let's tap into him and see how he's doing it. Cool. Well, Terry, give us an idea of kind of what the team looks like, what your numbers are, and then yeah, let's we'll quickly dive into kind of how you build and bake uh, coaching essentially into the structure of your team. Sure. So uh, right now we are at 180 agents uh, strong. Uh, we've done 1,750 transactions in 2016, and we're pretty much on pace to do about the exact same number this year. I'm not really happy with that, but I'll live with it. Uh, we reach, we'll reach 12 million in uh, GCI this year, and uh, it's good. And we're packing that out of just 7,000 square feet of office space. So we are a tightly run group, and we have fun together, and it's a nice productive bunch here. Okay. And what's, what's the agent count there at that office? 180. Perfect. Okay. So yeah, this is not a, a huge, uh, you know, it's not a far flung organization with a thousand agents and multiple offices and stuff like that. This is one of the things that, uh, that really caught my attention is that you're essentially running it almost as a mega team. You're running out of one office. You've really zeroed in on that one office and making that ultra, ultra productive. Yeah, and we'll probably talk about some other things, but I used to have four offices back in the uh, before the downturn and, and learned a lot through that process. And we said, let's go back and let's build one out and, and do it right. And the key thing there is let's do one and do it to the fullest extent that we can and make sure that we don't uh, leap over some steps and, and mess up in the process. So the way I look at things is I want to be thinking, acting, kind of like what Greg is. He, he's aware of what's going on out there in technology, bringing things into the different realms of what his agents can do and offering best practices. And that's where I like being right now is uh, being hyper-focused on uh, working with our agents, 
bringing it together like a mega team, but celebrating the agent's business versus it just being about Terry Swanson. It, it's really about every agent that works here and helping them grow up a, a business that's worth worth owning out there, period. Very cool. That's awesome. That's cool. You know, Terry, one of the things I want to make sure um, that we get out today in is, um, you know, it is level up from agent to entrepreneur. And through the process, you know, from going from agent to business person to entrepreneur, um, there's a lot of things that we go through. So I know we've kind of talked a little bit about your past. Why don't you take us through your journey of uh, you were an agent, you became a business owner, um, and, and everyone should know the title again is From Bust to Boom. So at some point in Terry's story, the the, uh, the business probably didn't look so, so so well, but I want to just kind of dive into that transition where, you know, maybe the, the, the business is not looking so well. And then what were you going through mentally, you know, and, and I know that you almost threw in the towel at one time, but for some reason you decided not to thank goodness for all of us that you didn't, because I wouldn't have known you and you wouldn't have made a, such an impact within our century 21 company. Um, take us through that though. I think some important lessons for the audience and, and, and I'm interested myself. Yeah. So, you know, I'm always, I've always been a productive person. I got out of college. I got into new home sales with a company called Syntex Homes to begin with. And I started off my career uh, sucking really bad. And so agents that see me today and hear me do the, the, the training, they think I've always been that way. And they go, well, you sound like you're a natural born salesperson. Drink that water, Greg. Drink that <laughs> <Yes>. water. <laughs> uh, but, uh, you know, it was after 90 days, I didn't have a contract in one of the hottest markets for new home sales. And I was absolutely terrible. And uh, I remember my manager, I about got fired from that job. And uh, I started to find a passion for the business. She pissed me off enough. I started finding out a passion. So my first line came from that manager getting ready to fire me and said I had absolutely no drive, which doesn't know me today. That is not the case. Um, but she pissed me off and I started reading books, listening to tapes and getting very specific about wanting to do better. And I became the number one agent within that, uh, home builder for the Atlanta division for the last three years that I was in that, uh, organization. And I, I said, I'm going to go out there and try to do something different within the real estate industry. Cause I did not like the agents I saw, uh, bringing their clients to our, our new home community. So went out on my own, opened up an office with five agents. Uh, and my mom in tow, and we had one office manager, and we went out there, and I was producing as an agent, and I did very well. Became the number one producing agent in our market uh, very quickly, and uh, took a liking to the business. But I never really understood the importance of building the right foundation under me, and it was all about production for me. So I was producing very well, but I was spending a lot of money, um, wasn't really paying attention. I, I believe this way back then: if I get up and do the right thing day in and day out, I don't have to worry about the numbers. And I never watched the numbers. And I'd watch people and i go, oh, you can't really control those variables. So I just went about my business that way. Every day I'd get up, I'd go to work. I worked seven days a week. I went through my first marriage. I rocked that into the ground. Uh, but I was having fun. I liked, I liked the production. I liked making the money. It was fun. But I was working myself to death. And I wasn't running the business. The business was running me. There was no question about it. I ran on credit lines, and you and I have talked about that. I was, you could walk into a bank back then and, oh, you're a real estate broker? How much money do you want to borrow? And I thought that was great. So I'm like, hey, we don't have to have cash in the bank. I just got to have credit lines. So we want to go open up an office. Let's go open up a credit line. We'll go open up an office, and we'll grow into it. Let's not worry about profit right now. We'll figure that out later. And that was really how I thought at that time. And I thought it was easy. I thought, because, I, thought I had the magic pill for real estate. Um, and, and it was all about me at that point in time. I was young, I was productive and I was stupid as hell. That's the bottom line. 
So we, we started growing this company. It sounded good on paper, uh, but when you really broke into the numbers, we were uh, just eating through our credit lines. We, uh, it, it wasn't a good thing. I didn't have the right people on board. And uh, I hired a business coach. So I, I grew a team out to five agents. We had four offices. I had four office managers. I had four managing brokers. I had ads running out the wazoo. Um, I, remember, I remember our, our, our cost going out the door every single month was $225,000 a month. And we did, we're not making that as a company. Didn't have productive agents. Um, so the one thing I'm very proud of right now is with one office and less agents, we've, uh, more than doubled the production that we did back in the heyday in 2006. So I'm very proud of that. But, um, so we keep going into the market. I hire a business consultant. He comes in and says, you know what, Terry, if you were to stop doing what you did with the team and you focused your efforts on trying to do that for your entire organization, you'd absolutely set it on fire. And I walked in. Now, this guy was not a real estate business uh, coach. He had built a clothing company and sold it for a lot of money. And I thought, hey, he can come in here and teach me best practices. But we didn't dive into it and check out what was the revenue that my team was bringing in at that time. And uh, so I went in the next day and I quit the team. I said, we're done. I've got to go in this direction. uh, And here's how we're going to do it. So I went and started to teach. Guess what happened to the market? It was 2007. Greg, you remember that year? Yeah, I sure do. <laughs> so market starts going in the wrong direction. Terry's over leveraged. We got credit lines. We've got four offices. I've got the wrong office people in place. Mm-hmm. We've got not the most productive agents. And uh, I thought things were going great. And then all of a sudden, everything started to, you know, get to where you're in a canoe and it's shaking and you're trying to ride it through and smooth it out. And um, everything that that business coach told me to do was wrong for that time. But it ended up being actually the best experience for me because we absolutely got bloody kick our teeth kicked out of us. Uh, we had to fire people that I didn't want to fire. We had to close down offices. Uh, never had to file a bankruptcy. Never did short sale. But we had to sell things just to get through whatever we had to get through. And at one point in time, uh, I was ready to throw in the towel, as you talked about, and uh, I was going to merge my company in with another company. And I was just, I was at the point where I was going, if I don't do this, then six months down the line, I think I'm going to have to throw in the towel financially, file bankruptcy and just, you know, Mm. do whatever I got to do. And we were a week away from signing the paperwork. And I remember talking with one of my friends that had owned several businesses. And he said, Terry, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to that guy that's been telling you that he's going to let you run that division the way that you want to. And I want you to have him put it down in paper, what he's willing to tell you right now, because the reality is what you want to do, uh, he's going to say once you sign on, well, it's my show now and you're going to have to do it the way that I want you to do it. So I said, well, that's great. And literally the next morning, I'm talking to the guy on the phone. I said, I remember I'd pulled over on the side of the road and I asked the guy, I said, let me ask you this. We've been talking about these different things and here's the vision of what I want to do and how it can work within your organization. I need to put it in writing so that there's no question. And he said, Terry, you know what? Here's the deal. I can't do that. What you're going to need to do is come work with my organization for 90 days. And once you see it, you'll be able to know what we can do together or not. And I said, well, let me ask this. You're basically telling me that everything I've been telling you I want really doesn't mean anything because once I sign on with you, my word's nothing. It's basically you're going to tell me what to do. And he said, yeah, that's pretty much what I'm telling you right now. (laughs) And I respected him for that. But you know what? I sat back and I said, okay, if what I really want to do in the industry uh, is not going to be able to be 
done because I'm going to be handcuffed by what I'm going to be signing under. And then I'd have a non I wouldn't be able to ever do what I really wanted to do. And so that was the defining moment for me where I was like, you know what? I'm willing to risk it all because I believe in my heart that what I want to pull off as an organization and a company uh, is this other direction. And I'm not going to be able to do it over there. So I'm going to, I'm going to take this and throw it away and I'm going to hunker down. I'm going to get recommitted, refocused and, and go better in the direction and dive as far as I can into this and make it the absolute best that I possibly can. And um, that was a very defining moment for me. And uh, had I not had the, com- the impromptu conversation with my friend the night before, I probably would have gone in there and just assumed that everything was going to be exactly the way that he was going to say, that, that he was saying, but not going to put in paper. I wouldn't have had him put it in writing. Back yeah. then, I was kind of like at the point where I was financially beat, uh, but I wasn't beaten yet. And uh, I'm, I'm very fortunate and glad that I had the conversation with a friend the night before and uh, that the guy that I was working with was an honest person. And I have mad respect for that guy right now um, and hug him whenever I see him. But I'm very glad that I didn't go to work with him. So that was a defining moment for me. And then it was a matter of what am I what have I got to do so that I can dig out from where I am and have certainty and uh, and, and not have any fear whatsoever of the financial consequences uh, that, that could be six months down the road. So, hey, Matt, why don't we just kind of break down a little bit of this? Because he, he really gave us a, a lot of information. And yeah. then maybe he can, he, maybe Terry, you'll continue on and tell us a little bit more how you, you, you know, you, you know, once you made the decision, how you started growing and, and, and having the impact that you have now. But man, first of all, tell your friend that um, I respect him also. Because he surely had enough integrity to, to shoot you straight, and it would have been a disaster for him and yourself. Forget about the friendship. It would have been multiple disasters. So I just think a lot about people who, who, who will step up and just be authentic and have integrity like that. So that, that, that's fantastic. Um, one other thing that I want that I picked out, you know, and it has a lot to do with how companies or agents are, you know, are growing nowadays. You know, it's expansion, whether it's a KW term, you know, expansion uh, models, or whether or not it's a non-KW. People are thinking about expansion and and, and whatnot. And I, and I thought of something interesting, Terry. And you said at a time when the market was hot, you were thinking expand, expand, grow, grow. And don't worry about the profit. Here's what's interesting to me is that's what we hear today with a lot of companies. Hmm. And so I believe that, you know, that one of the things that uh, one of my good friends and partners did during those 2007, 8, 9, those disaster years, is they started documenting everything that was going on. What was on the news in 2006? What was on the news in 2007? And documenting all that stuff. So we would be able to look at this information and say, when we hear these same stories, we have to assume that the market's about ready to do the same things that it did the last time we heard those stories. And what's interesting is that's what you were saying. And when people have too much confidence, I think is when disaster ends up showing up, you know, shortly after. So for anybody that's thinking about expanding, I just think it was worthy of me bringing this up that when you think the market's hot and everything's working and you're just going to expand, 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 and you'll figure out how to grow the profits later, you just want to lay the foundation and set out your, your, your large uh, footprint, then be careful. That's a time where probably you need to be slowing down. Just thought about that. Yeah. yeah. And I think at a point in my life, too, I was younger than I had I gone through that today. I don't know how I'd be really reacting. But, you know, 
uh, growing on credit lines is also not the way to go. Uh, so <laughs> that's another thing is, uh, you know, we don't control interest rates. And back then my payments doubled uh, over a very quick window because they kept rising, raising the uh, prime uh, interest rate. So uh, it wasn't good for me. But, you know, don't do credit lines. Set yourself up to be able to take advantage of other people's misery. Yeah. Hey, another thing I wrote down is uh, you were beat, but you weren't beaten. Tell me a little bit more about that. I think that's a fantastic uh, statement. Well, I got to tell you, I was also going through a three and a half year divorce at that time too. So I was, I had everything piled up on me and, and, uh, there was a moment I laid down on my deck in the sun and I had the big pain in my chest and this was a defining point. I was like, Oh my God, am I going to be able to make it through this? And I'm a fighter. I, I, I like competition and stuff. There's an internal drive in me where I'm like, that might work to my disadvantage sometimes, but, um, the only time I would have had to say I would have been beaten had I thrown that towel. But I've got a mentality that it doesn't matter how far down you get, you can you can dig yourself back up. You just got to step back and go, what have I got to do to dig out of that? It's the, you know, the Rocky statement of doesn't matter how many times that you, you get knocked down. It's you know the, the fact that you get up is what matters, and and that's really kind of what I look at what I've been through business wise, life wise, and I go, you know what? Everybody has their knockdowns. Uh, get yourself back up, dust yourself off, and never be beaten. And unless it's just that astronomically bad for you, and I don't think it can ever get that, it's a mindset. It's going out there and going, there's no reason I can't get back up. If I'm able to sit here and communicate, then I can sit there and go out there and react in the business world, period. All I got to do is be able to communicate and have my mind, nothing else. Hmm. That's fantastic. That's good stuff. What's your thought, Matt? Well, I was just curious, Terry. So let's bring it back to so the, the the defining moment, right? So you decide you're going to keep on going. You're not going to take this opportunity to go be a part of somebody else's organization. You know kind of what you want to build. So is that when you kind of form that picture in your mind of just getting really, really focused on the one office? Yeah, it was one out of financial need. And then realizing, you know, we started really digging into the numbers and I got the right coaching system right. and started. And I never looked at the numbers before. I'd be like, how much do we out in the bank? Okay, we're fine. Let's keep on rolling. Um, I, I had a shift and I started getting involved in uh, the Mike Ferry organization. I went to one of his seminars and I was like, you know what? Uh, it took a year of going through the coaching before I really started paying attention to the numbers of the company. But that's really what made a big difference for me. And, uh, okay. uh diving into it and going, you know what? I didn't realize these three offices over here have been sucking me dry from the one office that we've always made a profit out of. Gosh, what would my world be if I didn't have those that have always, even when the good times were going on, those offices were sucking me dry. I just didn't know it. So when we went back, I'm like, well, hell, we can go back to our number one office. That's always been our number one office. It was the one that we started with. And we can regroup from that because it's always run a profit regardless what the market did. Uh, But the other ones just absolutely kicked my ass. So I never knew that until I started diving into it. And I'm like, we're going to go back into that one. We're going to figure it out and come out swinging big time when the market starts to change. Yeah, I was going to say like, and that's what I want to dive into a little bit is you talk about paying attention to the numbers and knowing where the profit is coming from and then pouring your, your, your heart and soul back into that one office. How did that translate into daily and weekly action as far as when, when you looked at the numbers and the decisions that you made and how did that affect like what you were doing as a leader on a daily basis? So I, I made my controller. We start. We never had meetings where we'd meet and, and, and review the numbers. It was just like, okay, do your job and I'll do mine and that's fine. I've got a COO that uh, has been with me since right before the downturn. And we got a controller and the three of us decided we're going to start watching these. We're going to get together on a weekly basis. And right now I'll tell you, we, we study the numbers. We get together on Mondays in the morning and Thursdays. And I started looking at it on a weekly basis back then 
uh, because my coach made me. I didn't really want to, but I was like, I've got to get better at what I do. I started getting in the office at 7.30 every morning and saying, okay, I've got to be very intently focused on being the best I can, lead the agents, get them to a different point that they're not right now. And uh, it was in there 7.30 in the morning. I'd have my butt right in the office and, and refocused and go, I'm going to do everything that my coach says to do that makes sense, that as my agents walk in the door, regardless of the time, I was the first one in and the last one out. And uh, I wanted them to see that on point. And uh, anything I could do to help them in the capacity, I was in that office every single day. But then once things started rolling better, it's like I wanted to take the time off because it's not about working every day. It's about working five days a week, my ass off, so that the two days a week I can rejuvenate and be fresher for the next five days coming around. Those are the things I did. Commit to 7.30 in yeah. the morning, commit to the weekly meetings to review the numbers, get hyper-focused on the things that weren't matter. If, if, if something wasn't bringing revenue into the company, we cut it out of the equation. And uh, I was really just fine-tuning things and making sure that any dollar we spent had a chance of bringing something back in. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot there. And Greg, yeah, was, it, uh, was it the book Relentless where he talks about extreme disconnect so that you can, when you do connect and you are in the zone, you can be extremely focused? I think it might have been that Relentless book. Does that sound familiar? I, I'm, I, it sounds familiar, but I don't know that I associate with uh, with the Relentless book. So it, you yeah. very well may be. Yeah, but Terry, um, you mentioned something just like taking the weekends off to like completely and totally like disconnect and refresh and make sure that you come back and hit it hard the other five days. I, I think that's something that we all struggle with. And I know I find myself struggling with it. And you almost feel like you have to be engaged all the time in order to give yourself the best chance of success. But you end up being like engaged at this low level and it sucks away your opportunity to be hyper-focused uh, for those five days. Yeah, you know- hey, I'd be it, in the office at 7.30 and I wouldn't get out till 7, 7.30. So I mean, I was working my tail off and it was like, hey, I can't do that every single day. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. But I like bringing the leads in also. So I, I've always had a good farm base when I was an agent. We did all different types of marketing and stuff. and. In our area, I've always had a lot of leads coming through for my personal uh, self that I would turn and give those to the agents as time went on. So, right. Yeah. You know, just a little note, note on that, you know, in coaching and, and especially in my own office when I'm coaching uh, uh, agents, there's so many times I am having to tell agents or coach them to take time off. And it's interesting how, especially when people are growing their business, they're aggressively growing, they want to burn it, you know, all the way seven days a week. And I'm like, hey, take time off. And people don't really understand. And and I think it took me a while, um, you know, of, of coaching, you know, that type of conversation before I even understand. It wasn't really about taking time off. It was actually about adding some time for yourself, not taking time off. It was actually adding time for yourself. I remember a great friend. Um, he came, became a good friend um, out of New Jersey, Chris Oliva. I coached him one time and it wasn't until um, this is when I was coaching for Mike Ferry. Um, I don't coach now, so please don't call me and say, can you coach me? That's not uh, going to happen. Um, but back then when I was doing it, I remember Chris was stumped and he was working all the time. And I asked him, so what did you used to do when you were younger? He goes, man, I used to surf all the time. I said, when's the last time you surfed? Haven't surfed for probably 15 years. I said, okay, here's the deal. If you want to keep me as a coach, you got to go surfing before we actually have our next coaching call. And he did that. And then it became, he had to surf um, X amount of times every single week. And he found the fire back. 
he found passion for himself and what he was doing. And that's when he had a different perspective on his business. And he was guns a-blazing and he had uh, significant breakthroughs. So I think that's what I, that's the message I'd like the audience to hear about taking time off. It's just not taking time off. It's actually investing more time in yourself to pursue the passions that you have personally and watch how that influences your business. It's, it's amazing how it works. I think if we can just, Terry, I think if we can just coach life, the business is actually easy and I'm not necessarily a life coach, but you know, I think even my coaches, if they can teach me how to enjoy life, the business becomes a lot easier. Well, I think that's the bingo right there. Cause, uh, I know when I was listening to selling and had my team of five, I was literally working seven days a week and I thought I was having fun at that time. I thought I was running a business. And when I look back, I was hell, that's not running a business. That's just getting your ass kicked from something that <laughs> you may be thinking that you're enjoying it. But it's like, if you can't take time off and just enjoy some relaxation, you're not going to be as good as you could be. And you'll probably never reach the heights that you could because you're going to be, there's just a stress level that you're always going to be contained within. And you're never going to have that mental freedom to just relax. And also you can think of better things during that time off where you're not worried about each transaction or whatever, and just mentally uh, be relaxed to explore different things. So yeah. that, that, that's, that made a big difference for me. And I can look back and go, I never was really running a business. I had a cash machine that I was spending more than I should have been to operate. So I really didn't, I never felt like I was running the business back then. I know I wasn't back then. Uh, but I thought I was. And it was just interesting going through that and looking back at what I am today is significantly different than what I was just a decade ago. Uh, it's way different. Yeah. So let, let, let's go in this direction now. So you're building a, a fantastic operation, and I know a little bit about what your you know, visions are, and it's, you're definitely not stopping on building. You're you know, aggressively seeking to build, but at the same token, I don't think you're recklessly seeking to, to grow. And one of the things that I, I really admire about Terry, because Terry and I, we say this jokingly, and I think there's a lot to it. Terry and I are quite different in the way that our business models run. I'm trying to be a little bit more like Terry, and Terry might be trying to institute a few things that I do, right? But the key is, is we're, we're, we're really doing different things, but we, you know, are, are, are doing very well, I guess, at, at building the operations. So one of the things, Terry, that I see with you and, and as an observer, and I want you to comment on this, is you're really growing. You're really attracting people to, to come to your office, whether we call it recruiting or just attracting, however you're doing it. But you seem to give a lot of value to, um, you know, to, the, to the agents. You seem to offer a lot of value. And I think that that's missing in a lot of brokerages. Tell me the importance of, of delivering value, maybe how you perceive your agents and your role in, in, in helping support them and helping them you know, build good careers. What's your take on all that? So, yeah, my big thing is we've got 14 people on staff for an office of 180 agents. And I look at it and go, I want to solve the problems of a productive agent when they hit that point. And I want to be involved in an agent's career, regardless of where they are, regardless of what size team they have. I want to be able to offer staffing that we can get things done at a high level for them, that we can help them. If they want to grow a team, we'll help them recruit, train, you know, hire, fire, you name it. I want to be involved as much as they want us to be involved. And if it's a new agent, we're going to offer coaching that's included. Uh, there's no add-ons. It's like we are going to go about business saying we offer every single solution that you're going to come across as an agent 
uh, of your ills. So most agents, once they, once they get busy, uh, their internet plan goes out the window, their contact management goes out the window if they don't have the right support or staff, and they typically have to grow into that. So we want to go in there and solve their problems. 14 people on staff, we enter listings for people, we enter the, the pictures, um, help them through every single aspect that they possibly could. You bring a database to me, I'll have my staff input everything for you. You need a flyer made, we'll do whatever you got to do. Uh, so it's really just trying to take care of the agents as they go through their progression of being an agent. And it goes back to thinking about what could I not do when I was an agent and how can I fit that gap right there so that they don't have that roadblock. They don't have that cliff that they fall over. And, um, we, we have staff that's been here more than 10 years. So we've got a very consistent group and that also makes a big difference. And the other thing is I will grow into it. So as we get to 200, I'm going to need to add another staff person so that we can keep fulfilling uh, providing that high level of service for them. And that's, that's the main thing for me. Agents don't realize all of the things behind the scenes. And I know you do a lot, Greg, you do, you do a tremendous amount, but it's that behind the scenes stuff that really helps their career be able to make, if, if we can go help them with their database and help them with communications and give them video content that they can go push out and not have to create themselves. If we can increase their business 10 to 15% every year, then how much more in the next five years they're going to be able to amass from the referrals they'll also get from that 10 to 15%. And that's the relationship we want to have. And going after online leads also. I spend a lot of money going after online leads and, and uh, we scrub them. We don't just give them right over to the agents. We want to do it at a high level and get it, get it to them once the agent's ready to close. That's their skill. That's what we want them focused on. That's pretty cool. I like the way that you're approaching this and um, never heard this before, but as a business owner, a company owner, you're actually looking at the infrastructure that you're putting in place, the resources and the support systems that you're putting in place. And you're saying this support and resource system needs to be able to bring an extra 10 to 15% in increase of in, in their business on an annualized basis, which would be now if they turn around and they actually start to do some additional things on their own, whether it's prospecting or working their centers of influence, uh, you know, database and whatnot, then they're going to they're going to actually add on to that 10 to 15%. So that's really interesting. I really like that, how you're, you're, you're kind of like making an investment in their growth and by, by providing the services. I, I, I started thinking, wow, you're a one-stop shop you know, one stop for the agent. They come to you and they don't have to go to vendor one, vendor two, vendor yeah. three, vendor four, um, VA one, VA two, VA three, assistant number one. They may have exactly. to eventually get there, but you're going to provide the resources that they won't have to go there for, for quite a while. They can actually have growth. So I think that's really cool. And mm -hmm. I think that's a good way for entrepreneurs and businessmen uh, for uh, and women to look at this. It's like, let me set up systems that can add to my agents, not just for retention, because, you know, I think that's important too, but to actually add revenue to them or support yeah. them by giving them revenue opportunities. I think that's brilliant. Appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. And what the about, other thing is, well, I thought there was something to do with champagne. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we might be going to the gallon bottles of champagne, just like your gallon bottle of water there. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know what? You know the whole goal of the champagne closings is one to have it here in the office. But well, to tell us what it is. Tell us what it is. Tell us what it is. Explain. Slow it down. Tell us well, what hey, the champagne closing at, is. I'm, I'm going to show you. Look at that right back there in the background. Oh. See that champagne closing? I'm in the closing room, by the oh, way. So uh, awesome. Uh, 
you know, when they have it, we want to blast it up there. So the other agents that come into our office, they go, man, that's just awesome that you guys have that. We serve mimosas. We had a closing here right before. So uh, we want to be, a, we want to be an event. So when the people come in here and experience it, agents will go out there and talk about it. They come in here, but the consumer walks out of here with a different little flavor in their mind. And the whole goal is what if we were able to help that agent with a better referral based system by them having just that experience on the backside. So we bring in the yeah. packets again, you know, you bring in the packets. So it's like when I was an agent, what did I always forget? Hell, I forgot to package everything up and, and have it all nice and neat. So we provide all of that for them if they just close here. So it's like uh, taking the taking the thought process out of it for them and providing a very unique, incredible experience uh, when their clients walk out the door. And that's what it's about for me. And we've tried uh-huh. to take every step of the way and approach it going, if I'm an agent, what would I want in that experience here at the closing room or the mortgage company? Um, and by the way, we don't make our agents use these people. We want to earn the business of our agents and it's totally free of, of, uh, you know, they, they choose whoever they want to work with. Yeah. But that's so cool, right? Because I'm just thinking about the champagne closing and, and like, I always tease you about it, right? It's like, you know, it's kind of funny between you and I, Terry, but, but there's, I love it. And, and what I just got even more crystal clear is the closing it happens to be a stressful situation a lot of times for buyers and or sellers. And you're actually really, cre- you're really shifting the experience because, you know, what ends up happening is the transaction ends at the closing. So you're actually really um, uh, influencing the experience at the ending of the transaction. But the closing is also the beginning of a relationship, right? So you're actually getting, you're, you're crushing it where like you're leaving them with a great experience and then you're also helping your agents start off and kick off a whole new relationship where they're going to be able to work them as centers of influence and receive referrals and whatnot. Brilliant. I love it. Love it. I think I'm going to start so doing it. To... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can we, can we shift to, to that, scotch closings? <laughs> there you go. All right, so Terry, a couple of selfish right. questions for you. So um, I'm curious, just on uh, from the broker team leader perspective, number one, does all the structure that you're building does it give you the freedom to recruit people that you might not be able to recruit otherwise? And what I mean by that is the people that would not be able to execute on all the stuff that you are providing for them. Does that give you a little bit more flexibility to just recruit people, people that are great salespeople, let them do their thing, and you provide the structure? Does that make sense? Yeah. So that's really what we're going after is, uh, you know, it, it's, I look at it this way. If we, we didn't really want to go out there and recruit much until we got our agents to love the experience that they got. And once we started seeing that and the agents started bringing in other agents saying, Hey, you need to talk to my manager without us going to them and saying, go recruit for us. When we started seeing agents bring us people, that's when we knew, okay, you know what, now we need to go out there and start it. But until we got to that point, I didn't really want to go after recruiting. Uh, mm-hmm. we have been at 180 agent count. We've had, uh, you know, you got a constant flow of people that come through, but our mission right now is to keep perfecting the experience for the agent and the consumer, tie it all up in a nice little bow. Not everybody's going to want that or get it, but you know what? If you're a business minded agent, you're going to know one thing. You really don't want to go hire and fire people. If we can go provide you a high level staff that has the consistency and is going to do it at a very high level for you. Why would you want to go out there and try to hire uh, somebody that you're going to go through the same crap that everybody else goes through? You hire the wrong person. Then you got to go retrain somebody after you fire that person. You got all this disruption that goes along with the one number one thing that you're in the business for, which is producing. And so if people can wrap their head around that, that's really where I think brokerages should get to is some level of a higher service because in the end, the only person that's really being sacrificed anything is the consumer. 
Because if the agent's focused on doing things that they're not really in the business to do, which is sell homes, mm-hmm. then, they're, then, then they're wasting time that they could otherwise be further serving their clients. So yeah, I don't I mean, know if I really answered your question, but the kind whole of, goal yeah, is we're going to keep getting better and, and bring in people that are the right fit for us in mm-hmm. time. And I'm not in a rush. So... Yeah, I like it. Yeah, I was just thinking, Greg. Like when you when you look at the people that really succeed in real estate, there's there's a reason why so many of them are high D, high drivers, dominant, because that's what it takes to get over those sticking points. The sticking points you just talked about, Terry. The the retraining, the hiring, the experimenting with vendor A, B, C, D, and E until you find something that works. All this stuff. And I think, Greg, if you build a structure around that where you've already solved a lot of those problems, I think it does give you more flexibility. To in, in the terms of the people that you can bring on and help them be more successful than they would otherwise, that it doesn't, it allows you to recruit more people than just your high Ds. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think it does. I think so. Like, if I'm a high D and I'm going to Terry's office, I'm thinking, holy cow, Terry is going to like, He's going to be my staff. He's going to take all this off of my uh, off of my my desk, so I can just do what I like to do, which is generate. But if maybe I'm a little bit more, um, uh, maybe take a little bit more of a passive approach. You know, uh, I'm not a prospector. Maybe I, I like to do direct marketing and whatnot. And I go to Terry's office. I'm going to be like, okay, now Terry. Wow, gosh, I got Terry. He's like my partner. He and I can, and his staff, we create together and we created this and we created that, right? Which is also what they need. So I don't, I I think this is exactly what Terry's got going on is that he can attract different personalities with the same exact system. And it's really the different personalities that assess a different value to it. It's all a value, but I would look at it as, man, he's taking all this crap off of my hands. Somebody else is going to look at it as, wow, he's like, I've got a creative team. Mm -hmm. So I think that's great. I think he's, that's why he's able to attract talent of all different personalities. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? The I and the S personalities, uh, they like the relationships that we've got in here. So you can walk in the door and there's always a constant flow of people. So to your point about the D personalities, the I and the S, the I and the S like the relationships. And that's why I like having the staff that we've got here when they walk in the door and they're friendly. And uh, so, yes, we do a cross uh, personality hiring of people. Yeah, love it. Cool. That's awesome. All right. So the next goal is to uh, to get over your 180 agent count. And so uh, yeah. so tell me a little bit about uh, kind of the the coaching structure that you guys have, have have in place and how you bake coaching into that so that you attract that next round of uh, producing agents for you. So, you know, as, as new agents get into business and over the last three, five years, we've had a whole bunch of new agents get into business and you know, make it. So we started adding on about three, four years ago. Uh, you know, you can call them managing broker, we call them business consultant, and I've got two of them in my office. So to run this office, we've got myself, I'll work with agents that are making over 150,000 a year and coach them, or if they want to uh, grow teams, I'll coach them. Um, if they're making under 150 or if they're new, I've got two business consultants is what I look at them like, and they're there to help lay the foundation and help an agent go through the struggles to get to that point that they're making over 100,000 a year. That's what the goal is. So that's what we're set up for is getting in there and finding out the details of what that agent is one-on-one. Uh, we have good global training as a company, but it's really that one-on-one attention without that agent having to pay any additional for it. It's what I call a shared risk plan. We don't get money unless you close. Our job is to get you to close and close at a higher level so that your production coaches get what they need to out of the world. And uh, that's how it all flows together. So, Very cool. I like it. And by the way, you said about getting up to two, the goal is to get the 250 agents out of this single office right here. 
Uh, we, we were stagnant at the number of 180, but once you reach a certain point, it's like, Hey, we grew from 90 agents four years ago to 180 agents. And we reached that level and it's like, okay, now I know that we cannot reach where I want to. So we just went out and hired a recruiter, full-time recruiter and uh, very excited about what she's doing, brought her in from a different industry. And, uh, she is absolutely doing a phenomenal job and we look to have her really escalate our numbers in the right way. And it's not growing for growth sake. It's growing for the right reasons and for the right mission and vision. That's what it's about today. Very cool. That's awesome. Well, I mean, this is just a great story. I, this is a great story of agent entrepreneur, in my opinion. This just fits the podcast perfectly. You've just went through the journey. So that's that, I, I really appreciate everything you've shared here, uh, Terry. I think it's it, it's a lot of value. Don't you agree, Matt? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's all I had well, like- know, a, I got I to say this though, Greg, you know, you, you've been a catalyst for a whole lot of stuff for me. And- uh, I like your open sharing that you're doing on here and, and bringing things to the table. So I hope that I'm able to bring something out there and I'm wide open. So, you know, I have nothing to hide yeah. and figure, Hey, if somebody hears something that they, they were at a point in their career or whatever, or spending too much money, it's like, watch the numbers and uh, make sure that you're paying attention to the things that you might not necessarily want to, but you have to, if you're going to run the business period. Yeah. And, and this conversation, Terry, really applies to you and I who are business owners, as well as somebody who is just a real estate agent and going through growth and trying to be uh, decide, you know, do I grow aggressive? Do I be defensive? Um, you know, how do I respond or how do I react when things don't quite go the right way? So this message resonates with everybody, no matter what position, what role they're playing within the actual real estate industry. And I, I knew by having you on, because I know that you're open and we kind of know each other outside of, you know, uh, of, of podcasts, that we would just be able to just kind of jive, have a conversation. And, and in this particular case, I figure Matt, just go along with the ride and chime in, man. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. I'm happy to do that. Uh, so yeah, this was a lot of fun. Um, Terry, why don't you just speaking of recruiting, tell people if anybody's watching or if they're listening to this on the back end, just if they're uh, if they're interested in joining your team or if they want to send referrals to you guys, just kind of remind them of where you're at and uh, and how they can reach you. Let's call it North Atlanta. We are in North Atlanta. We cover all of Atlanta, but North Atlanta is where you can send stuff to. Uh, our our website is c21getsresults.com. Uh, you can reach me on Facebook as Terry Swanson in Atlanta, uh, or you can reach me at uh, T. Oh, was the easy one, Terry at C21.com. That's very easy. easy and Craig, you always—I uh, know it's the same thing, but people it's need to hear it anyway. Easy. <laughs> it's very easy. Just email me at Greg Harrelson at gmail.com. Of course, I'm in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, as well as Charleston, South Carolina. So any referrals or anybody looking to get into the business and and, uh, and interested in having me help them develop a, a, a career in real estate, then please reach out to me. I'm always looking for talent um, and you don't have to have experience. That's right. Very cool. And guys, for the podcast, make sure to subscribe, whether that's on YouTube for the video version, or if you want the audio version on your mobile device, hit uh, iTunes or Stitcher. And then guys, there is, um, if anybody caught the interview that we did with Jan Pittman, where we talked about how she takes uh, at least 20 listings a month, just from essentially picking up the phone uh, from all her database centers of influence and, and the farm areas that she's cultivated over time. If you want to know the secret to doing that and getting that system up and running, just go to the Level Up podcast podcast.com slash free. Um, you can also get to it just by going to the leveluppodcast.com. But we've got a free training for you on marketing automation. That is kind of the secret behind all those systems that Greg and Jan set up that drive those inbound calls that result in people essentially picking up the phone and saying, hey, Greg, can you come list my home? 
Yeah, man. That's it. <laughs> well, well I love it. Going. I love it. I love it. Right. Cool, guys. So go I'm check jealous. that out. Yeah, Terry. <laughs> we got to get you. Uh, got to get you on uh, on FusionSoft. So, all right, guys. With that said, we appreciate everybody watching. Thanks so much for uh, for for liking and commenting and uh, and all the kind words on the Facebook Live comments here, guys. Uh, we are basically uh, every just about every other Wednesday we're here on Facebook Live. So make sure to keep an eye out uh, for the future episodes, and we will see you on the next one.